Lord, once more, we just ask that you would take us to that place where we can see your work, where we can see the, the brightness of what you are and what you do in our lives before sometimes it's easy to see, before even the rest of the world is able to understand. But you have given us those promises. You have told us who you are and what you do. So take us to that place today. Help us to see what we need to see. The little glimmer of light that is the promise of the great day that is yet to dawn. So thank you, Lord, for being with us and guiding us as we study together. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew 8, we're going to find another story of healing. And today we're going to focus here on just this little bit of a story that Jesus uh, heals once more. Starting in verse 5 of Matthew 8. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Jesus was really responsive, you know, offering to come right away. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man of authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. The faith that if you say the word, I know it will be done. Jesus goes on to say that I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places in the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now this was a, a feast that, that they believed in, be, believed that God would one day create a great feast and all of the, the um, prophets, the patriarchs would be in, the, in that feast and it would be the, the promise of God that, th that glory would come to his people. And so they knew about this feast, but then Jesus tells them, what he thinks of most of the way they react. See, most of them don't have this faith, this faith. So he says, there will be this feast, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So why does he say that? He says it because many of them don't have the faith that the centurion had. A centurion, a Roman centurion, has more faith than some of the leaders of the church of God. This is a strong statement Jesus makes. But this is a, a Roman centurion. By the way, Luke tells us that this Roman centurion um, was favored. He was probably doing things that were helpful, helping them have permission to build a synagogue in their town. This was not just any Roman centurion. This was a Roman centurion that was believing in God, who had faith in God. And Jesus says this centurion has more faith than most of you others because when the day comes for the great feast, a lot of you are going to get tossed out into the darkness and you will be weeping, gnashing in teeth. But this Roman centurion who, who has no expectation, doesn't even feel worthy to invite me into his house, he has the faith to know 
that all I need to do is say the word and it will be done. And Jesus says in verse 13 to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And the centurion and the, and the servant was healed at that moment. He was healed before they got back to the house. The servant was healed before Jesus walked into the room, walked into the building. The, the servant was healed when Jesus said the word at whatever distance that was, because that's all it took. We need it today to think about how Jesus heals. What is the healing we're talking about today? Today we're talking about the healing that he provides to us from time to eternity. From today to the eternal life that he has for us yet to come. We're talking about the future day when he makes us whole, not just to be whole physically, but to be whole completely in an eternal everlasting life, which is his ultimate promise to us. The healing we're talking about today from time, from today to eternity forever. So we are the centurion in this story. We only need to believe. We need to believe that when Jesus says the word, it is done. We need to believe not because we somehow can earn it, not because somehow along the way that we are able to prove that we're worthy of all that he would do for us. Sometimes we, we hear it, we know it to be true, we believe in our heart, but we, we don't immediately see it, so we begin to doubt it. Has that ever happened to you? We ask Jesus to forgive us, to save us, to change our lives, and then the next day we don't feel any different and so we wonder if anything really happened. But like the centurion, when we believe his promise, when we believe it will be true, even though we may miss what it looks like, we may miss that Jesus has already given us that ultimate healing, the certainty of its completion, its reality, its fulfillment has already happened in him, even if we cannot see it from where we are. I'm reminded in Romans 5, verse 6, that Jesus came on time for a very clear purpose. Romans 5, 6, when you see that just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time, when we had nothing we could do, we were powerless. He didn't die for those who had hope. He didn't die for those who could be better. He died for the ungodly. He died for those who had nothing to offer at just the right time. In verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't wait to see whether we would put faith in him. He didn't wait to see if we would somehow turn our lives around. 
Before we were born, before we could ever even make a gesture in his direction, he came and he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. This is the part that Jesus has already done. We are not waiting to see if he will. He has. Jesus came at the right time to deliver on his promise to be our savior, to carry the penalty for our sin to the cross and die. Jesus willingly came into this world from heaven and came and walked among us and allowed himself to be captured, punished, placed on the cross without a complaint. He could have called the angels to his side. He, called all, he could have called all the powers available to him from heaven, and that is all the powers from heaven. He could have called upon all of them to remove him from that scene at any time, but he did not. And while he slowly died, while on that cross, while people jeered him, made fun of him, called him names, he finally ended before he died with these words. It is finished. What was finished? Jesus says it is finished, but what was finished? Jesus was about to die. That wasn't even finished when he said it. He hadn't gone to the grave. He still hadn't come from the grave in the resurrection. That wasn't finished. He still hadn't taken us home. That wasn't finished. So what was finished? Jesus had already surrendered to bear the burden of our sin and paid the price for eternal life. Just say the word, Jesus. Just say the word. For here it is. Here's the word he said for you. It is finished. In 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 18, we're reminded that he did this because he chose to do it from the very beginning, from the high place of heaven. 1 Peter 1, verse 18, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, you know, the empty way of the rituals and routines, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, and here's the key verse in verse 20. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. And through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. You see, our loving God looked from the high place of heaven before we were created, before we could understand anything about our need, and he saw the day coming before it arrived. He saw our need before it ever happened. He saw the day that you and I would need Jesus. 
And as Jesus healed the centurion's servant before they ever came into the town, before they could see the result at a distance, Jesus died for our sin before we even knew we needed him. This is how Jesus heals. Today we turn our focus to the symbols of promise provided for us in the communion service. The bread and the cup. These symbols, as Jesus ate his last supper before the cross with his disciples, were first given as the reminders of God's deliverance from Egyptian slavery many years before, the Passover, as it was celebrated with the disciples. The Passover, the memory of the passing of the death that killed all the firstborn in Egypt. And because they put the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost, the death would pass over their household and deliver God's people from that great tragedy. And therefore the word Passover became the phrase, the word that was used to memorize and and remember the event that took place where God delivered his people, not only delivered them from the death of that Passover night, but he also would deliver them from Egypt and give them freedom once more. This is the historical context that the disciples and Jesus came into when they celebrated this meal together. This meal that would include the sacrifice of a lamb because of the lamb that was sacrificed and blood put on the doorframe. The bread of this meal was made without yeast because yeast was used as a symbol of sin. And God instructed them to eat nothing for seven days that had yeast in it. So they were asked to remove all the yeast from their house, to remove the sin, the symbol of sin from their house for seven days. And there was something else special in the traditional meal. There were four cups that were used throughout this meal, each of them remembering something significant about that first Passover. It's significant to us that there was something special about the third cup. The third cup came after they had eaten the food. At the end, near the end of the service, the Passover service, near the end there was a third cup that was always known to be called the cup of redemption. It was the cup that when they drank it, they remembered that it was God who delivered them not only from slavery, but he was the redeemer God. And it's believed that when Jesus said, when he had finished eating, he took the cup. That he took the cup and claimed to himself to be the cup of redemption. So when we take the communion and eat the bread and drink from the cup, we remember who he is to us. When Jesus ate the Passover with his disciples, it had special meaning. Not only did it look back at God's deliverance, yes, of the deliverance from Egypt, as they always had remembered, but with Jesus' words, it took on all new meaning. For he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. There was the old covenant based upon the promises through the lambs, the blood being spilt. But Jesus says there is a new covenant now. 
And that new covenant is bound to me and my blood that will be shed for you. So let's take our cup. You have this little convenient device that allowed us to do this without passing things around so much. There's two parts I hope you can see. There's a little clear cellophane on top that you can peel back first. And that will make the little wafer available to you. And then when we come to it, you'll be able to do the foil later when it'll open up the rest of the cup. So while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. Let's pray a blessing upon this bread. Lord, we come to you knowing that we are not worthy of anything, that all worthiness is in you. Today, Lord, we recognize this is a gift to us, not just a gift, but a promise. So when we eat this bread, we know that we are representing the gift you've given us through your broken body, your willingness to go to the cross to become our redeemer. So we thank you, Lord, for this gift, for you, for everything you are to us and everything you will always be. We thank you. Amen. And Jesus said, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. Let's pray thankfulness on this. Lord, you uh, are the blessing. The juice that is in this cup has no power, but it symbolizes that which has all power, that you would give your blood, that you would offer yourself so that you would be our redeemer, not only to give us hope, but to give us eternity. So Lord, thank you for this symbol of your great sacrifice, telling us, sharing with us who you really are. We thank you for blessing us in this way, and we ask it in your name, amen. And he said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then he promises, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day, when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So these emblems of death at the Last Supper, of his death at the Last Supper, not only point back to what he has done for us today, like they pointed back to the Passover at his time, they point back to the cross in our time. 
they also point forward. They point forward to the kingdom of God when Jesus will be with us once more, when he will take part in that meal with us once more. They, take, they point forward to the kingdom that will come in its fullness that has already been completed for us. We just cannot see it yet from where we are. So if we could see the sunrise from where we are, this sunrise, this promise, this is what we would see. Things that are already true because Jesus said the word, soon the dawn of light that we can only begin to see from here will become the brightness of the full day as the promise of God becomes real for us because it is already true. Here's what it looks like. John 14. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Jesus said the word. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, no mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is how Jesus heals. I love that where it says there'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, for all that old stuff is gone. All the former things will be no more. And I like to think about what goes with that because it doesn't say it, but it's there. Not only will be there no more death and all these things, no more, but there will be much more life, much more happiness, much more joy, much more wholeness, everything will be made new. This is how Jesus heals. Not a little bit here and there, not just enough for the next day, because when Jesus heals, he will heal forever. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. See, if we could see from where God is, this is the dawn that is coming. And he sees the water flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. This is how Jesus heals. No longer will there be any curse. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him.
See, we have to believe like the centurion believed. Because Jesus already said the word. And what Jesus said is already done. And this is what he has done for you. Believe him. Follow him. For he is our Redeemer Lord. And what he says that he will do, he has already done. Now and forever. Praise his name.